continuing today on this series called Guardrails. So would you take your Bibles, go to the book of Proverbs. In just a few moments, we're going to get there. As you're doing that, let me greet our campuses today. I just want to say I'm glad that you're with us today. I'm excited about what God is doing at each and every one of our locations. We're thankful that you're part of what is taking place there. And I believe today that as we go into the Word of the Lord, that great things are going to happen. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. So let's get ready to receive what God has for us today in his house. We've been talking about this whole aspect of guardrails. Now, now let, me, let me just kind of break it down. Today we're going to talk about why can't we be friends. Any of you old rock and rollers remember that song? All right, why can't we be friends? It's, it's really interesting when, when you begin to, to look at it, uh, how that we need some guardrails in our life, even around this whole aspect of friendship. Now, let me remind you from last week what a guardrail is. A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Now, if you're having trouble remembering what the sermon series is, we, we've given you, you know, kind of a, 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 a picture of what it's about. And, and so this whole aspect is, is that a, a guardrail is to help you from what's on the other side. Now, a guardrail is not placed in the actual area of danger. They're placed just inside of what we would consider a dangerous zone. It's, it's right on the inside. The danger's on the other side. And, and so on the other side of that's the cliff. On the other side of that uh, is destruction. On the other side are the things that we don't want. The actual danger zone is not here. But we understand in the natural that guardrails are given to us to protect us, that it's better for me to hit a guardrail in my car than to wind up on the other side. Now, honestly, I could drive where the guardrail is. You know, I mean, you get on a, on a, a winding road up in the mountain, if there's no guardrail there, you can drive where that guardrail is. But the likelihood of you having an accident increases proportionately as, as close as you get to the edge. And so in our lives, we need to bring in some guardrails. And the Word of God, last week we talked out of the book of Ephesians, how the Apostle Paul talking to the church of Ephesus kind of laid out some things, and so we're going to continue that uh, this week. Now, let me say this to you. I believe with all of my heart that your greatest regrets in life could probably have been avoided if you had had some financial, some moral, some relational, some professional, etc., etc. If you had had some guardrails in your life, those things that you are living with today, those regrets, those uh, destructive things that have happened, probably would not have happened if you had placed some guardrails. So if we need those in the natural by driving a car, don't you think we need some in our spiritual walk with God? Right? Now, so for our definition for this series of a guardrail in, in our spiritual walk is this. A guardrail is a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. All right? It's something that we place in our life. It's not sin. It's not destruction. That's on the other side. But we choose as believers, we're not going to live on the edge. I mean, how many times in, in all of my ministry that I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, can I do this and still go to heaven? Is this a sin? You know, and whatever the list is, can, can I do this? That's the wrong question. The question is, what can I do to draw closer to the Lord, not closer to the world? 
Well, glory to God, we're going to have fun today. All right? Now, here's what I want to talk about today. Again, the, the, the subject matter today is why can't we be friends? So I want to talk about your friends, your associates, the people you run with, the people you play with, uh, your posse, your amigos, your crew, whatever it is that you call it, all right? It's those people that influence your life. Now, think about this for a minute for those of us who, who have lived a few years. When we were kids, th those of you who are, are away from home now, remember when you were a kid and, and how, how goofy your parents were? Come on, remember how fanatical they were about who you spent time with? Right? I mean, they, they would say things. I, I can remember my parents saying things to me as, uh, such as, uh, you know, you, you don't need to go, go play over there. You don't need to be with that person. I'm going, why? We, we have a good time. And, and, and you know, th there have even been some of you that your parents switched you out of one school and moved you to another school simply because of the people you were running with. That, you know, I, I can remember saying, I want to go over here and, and you know, do such and such and, and play or, or hang out. And, and my parents would go, well, why do you want to go over there? Well, you know, their parents are never home. We can do anything we want to. <laughs> I don't think I was ever stupid enough to say that, but that was really the reason why I wanted to go there. And yet, I, I, you know, my parents went, no, you can't do that. Uh, you can't. There are some of us who our parents even moved out of the, the city or the town they were living in because they wanted to protect us and to keep us. I mean, I, I really think that a lot of us, that our parents would have arranged our marriages if we would have let them. Right? Why? Because they were trying to protect us. And you know what? At the moment, we thought it was ridiculous. At that time, we said, man, my parents, they're just so old-fashioned. They're just so weird. You know, everybody else gets to and I don't get to. I can remember, Dad, it's not fair. All that stuff. Now that we're parents, we don't think it's quite so dumb. Right? I, I mean, you know, I think, I, I think I'm worse. And I think if I were a parent... Uh, you know, with small kids now would be even worse. Now, now the cool thing for those of you who have uh, young kids and even teenagers is that it's so much easier to snoop. You know, back in my day, you know, once you got in the car and got gone, they couldn't find you. Now with Facebook, you know what they're talking about. Come on, you can look at their minutes on their cell phone and see how many minutes they've spent texting and look at the bill and see who. Man, it's quiet in the house right? But, but that, that's kind of it. Why? Why do we do that? As parents, why do we want to make sure that our kids do so? I mean, I can remember saying, if I ever get out of this house, I'll never say certain things to my kids, right? Such as, if your feet are under this table. <laughs> Some of y'all had the same mean, nasty parents, didn't you? Bless God, you're going by the rules of this house, uh, you know, or, or birds of a feather. I never liked that one. And, and and, and the other one that I always heard was, if so-and-so jumped off the bridge, I guess you think, <laughs> right? I said, I'll never say those things, but I got two kids here today who can tell different. I think I said every one of them. Why? Because you know, like your mama knew, that your kids' friends can determine the direction for their life. Now, I know we can understand that with our children, but I want to tell you, it doesn't matter if you're 12, if you're 19, or if you're 99, your friends determine the direction of your life.
Now, let, let me talk to you about just a couple of things real quickly. The thing that makes friendship wonderful is the very thing that makes it dangerous. And, and I'll give you a couple of them in just a second. I mean, the, the, this whole friendship thing is not a bad thing. In fact, you need to have friends. Our problem is, is that friendship is so dangerous. And, and here's, here's the first reason. Your friendships are so dangerous, number one, is because when you're with your friends, you drop your guard. You're unguarded. You just, I'm, I'm hanging and we're having a good time, and, and I'm, just, I'm just there. I just want to hang out with you, and, and so we drop our guard. This, the second aspect is, is that we, we all crave acceptance. Even the people who say, I don't need anybody. Yes, they do. They crave acceptance. We all do. And acceptance, when you are in a group where you are accepted, that leaves you open to influence. I guarantee you the majority of us who have ever struggled with any addictive behavior started it in a crowd. The first cigarette you smoked was probably with somebody else. The first time you took a drink, the first time you took a hit, whatever it was that you did, the first time you did it, you probably were with somebody else. Now, it gets really quiet when I'm doing good preaching. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Your greatest regret, think about it for a second. Don't stand up and testify about it, but think about your greatest regret and let me ask you a question. Were you with an enemy or a friend? I would dare say over 90% of us, the greatest regret that we have in our life, we were with a friend. See, your friends, they influence the direction and the quality of your life. And so, again, it doesn't matter at what stage of life you're at. If you're, if you're a young person, if you're a college-age person, if you're just getting started in life and married and getting the kids, or, or if you've been around like me for a while, wherever you are on this journey, your friends determine what happens in your life. Now, a lot of you say, well, Pastor, that's all great and good, but, you know, what does the Word of God say? Glad you asked. So look in the book of Proverbs, the 13th chapter. All right? Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. The wisest man who ever lived, according to Scripture, is King Solomon. And the Bible says uh, that, that King Solomon gives us some insight here in how to live and to walk and to be uh, in relationships in our life. In fact, let me, let me say this to you. If you want to be a person who has great wisdom in your life, I would challenge you to read one chapter of the book of Proverbs a day. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Each of those correlates to one day of the month, no matter how many days there are. I challenge you to make that a decision of your life to daily. Whatever the day is, let me read that proverb and let me begin to put that in my life. Why? Because wisdom is the principal thing, and with all you're getting, get wisdom, but with your wisdom, get understanding, the Bible says. So wisdom is needful. Now watch what the wisest man who ever lived said. Walk with the wise and become what? wise, right? Walk with the wise and become wise. I mean, he didn't say if you want to be wise, go to college. College is great, but college doesn't make wise. I mean, I've seen some really, anyway. All right? He, he doesn't say if you want to be wise, read a hundred books. He doesn't say if you want to be wise, uh, get a certain job. He says if you want to be wise, walk with the wise and you'll become wise. But watch what he says. For a companion of fools suffers harm, right? Now, it's interesting. This scripture, and this is what I want to talk about, this scripture contains a promise and a warning. 
It gives us the promise, and the promise is you become wise by doing life with wise people. If you want to have wisdom in your life, if you want to really find yourself with great wisdom, hang out with wise people. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be wise. I want to live life as a wise person. You know, the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth generously. Now, now here's what I, I want you to know. Wisdom is contagious. You, you, you can hang out with wise people. Why is it that we, we have a tendency to shun wise people and hang out with fools? That, that word there says, if you'll walk with the wise, you'll become wise. The, the term there, walk with, means if you will do life with. Do life with the wise people. If you want to have a great marriage, find somebody who's not got three divorces. Oh, here we go. And they're on their fourth. Their family life is messed up and say, I want to be just like them. Really? No, find somebody who's figured it out. Find someone who's walking in integrity in their marriage and uprightness in their marriage. Why, hang out with. Why would you go to a person who is always busted, who's always broke, who owes everybody, been through bankruptcy three times, and to find out how to be wise in your finances? Really? No. If you want to be wise, walk with the wise. Now, here's the definition of wise according to Scripture. Wise people understand that life is connected and they live and act accordingly. What I mean by that is this. Wise people understand that what I do today affects tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year. It's not disassociated. I can't come to that place and say, well, what I'm doing now doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Whatever I do, a wise person understands that if I overeat, guess what? Oh, boy, it gets quiet. If, you know, if I hang out with the wrong people, I'm going to get in trouble. And, and I, know, I know a lot of us are saying, well, what about love? My question is, what's love got to do with it? But I'll deal with that a little bit later, so hang on. Don't, don't put your walls up just yet, okay? So wisdom comes from hanging out. If, if you want to be successful as a business person, find someone who's been successful as a business person. If you want to be successful in college, college students, don't hang out with the people who are always cutting class, who never have their work done, and who barely get by right? Find somebody who's going after it. Hang out with them. They're going to be the one who lifts you up and brings you into wisdom. That's the promise, the warning. Now, if I had written this, I would have written it differently. Any of you ever want to reinterpret Scripture? There's a lot of things I would have written different. This is one of them, because what it says here is that if you hang out with wise people, you'll become wise. If I had written the next part, I would have said, if you hang out with fools, you'll become a fool. But that's not what it says. Look at it again. It says, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, here's the warning. You run the risk of something bad happening to you if you run with fools. It does not mean you will be a fool. See, here's the deception. How many of you know that even though you may be a Christian today, you can still be deceived, right? So here's the deception. The deception says, you know what? 
I'm not as bad as they are. I'm not as wild as they are. I'm not as crazy and freaky as they are, so I must be all right. It's not what the Scripture says. The warning is not that you become a fool. The warning is that the shrapnel of life, when it explodes, is going to harm you. I guarantee you if we took time today, there are different ones of you that could come to this stage and you could tell us of the shrapnel, of the explosion that you weren't guilty of, but it affected your life. There are people who have wound up in prison, not because of what they did, but because of who they were with. There are people who are in wheelchairs today, not because they were drunk and driving, but they were riding with someone who was drunk and driving. You've got to understand that if you hang out with fools, it's a biblical word, so don't get offended, that you are going to allow destruction in your life. Now, I told you what a wise person was. Let me give you the scriptural definition of a fool. A scriptural definition of a fool is someone who knows right from wrong but doesn't care. In fact, the Bible tells you not to mess with fools. It tells you not to even talk to them. Why? Because a fool is not lacking information. I mean, you don't walk up to a fool and say, uh, if you keep flirting with the secretary at work, you're going to wind up in an affair. The, you, the, the, the fool doesn't go, oh, I didn't know. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved. The fool goes, oh, I'll, I'll be okay, right? The fool never lacks information. You don't walk up to the fool and say, if you keep overspending, you're going to wind up in bankruptcy. The fool's response to that is, well, that's why they created bankruptcy laws. That's the mindset of a fool. And so you have to understand that the warning that's given here has to do with proximity. Who are you hanging with? Who are you running with? Run with wise people, you will become wise. Hang out with fools. You're going to experience destruction. I want to tell you something. Friends who aren't careful with their life are not going to be careful with your life. Friends that aren't careful in their marriage aren't going to take care of your marriage. People who are not financially secure and take care of their finances are not going to enable you to do better. On and on and on. Friends who cheat, friends who break the law, whatever it is, they are not going to enable you to move up. So today, I'm going to give you five things that I think you need in your life, five guardrails that you say, you know what, I'm going to place these in my life so that I don't wind up on the other side where there is destruction, where there is pain, where there is suffering that I may have to live with for the rest of my life. So here, I hope you're taking notes because I want to give these to you. Those of you uh, who are parents, I'd encourage you to write these down. Those of you who are in college, those of you who your children have left home, you need these in your life. Your conscience should light up when, with these five things I'm going to talk about. Number one is your conscience should light up when your core group, those people that you're hanging with, are not moving in the direction that you want your life to go. If the people that you are hanging with are always going in the wrong direction from where you want your life to go, that should be a warning sign to you. 
That should be flashing. That should be saying, wait a minute, these people always do this, and I really would rather my life be this. It's real interesting how often we ignore the warning signs. There's that check in our spirit. There's that conscience moment that says you really shouldn't do this, but we have a tendency to walk right over that and to keep moving. So I've got to come to that place saying, wait a minute, the people that I'm hanging with right now, come on, think about it, the people that I'm running with right now, are they moving in a direction that I want my life to move in? If not, that should be a guardrail for you. Secondly, the second thing that ought to make your conscience light up is when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are. When you hear the word from somebody else who is your friend that says, when you're with those people, I don't even know who you are. When you're hanging out with them, you're different than you are the rest of the time. When you hear that, it ought to be warning, danger, I need a guardrail, I'm in trouble, and my life is going to wind up in destruction. Thirdly, your conscience ought to awaken you when you feel pressured to compromise. I mean, there are, there are so many times that, that, a, that a kid goes through the youth program and they're excited and they're on fire for God and, and the youth pastors poured into them and they're ready to go and then they go away to college and their thought is, man, I'm, I'm taking my Christian CDs or my iPod and I've got everything downloaded and I'm going to listen to sermons and I'm, I'm going to win my campus to Jesus and, and, and the first month they're doing pretty good. But before long, who they're hanging with, the CDs go in the trunk. If you were to listen to their iPod now, you'd blush. At the end of the first semester, they're a pale image of what they used to be. By the end of the first year, they haven't gone to church in months. They haven't hung out with anybody who even knows Jesus. And all of a sudden, their life is upside down. And we wonder what happened. What happened is, is that a companion of fools suffers harm. You know why? The fourth thing that ought to make you wake up is when you hear yourself saying, I'll go, but I won't participate. I know everybody else is going to be there, and, and, and I know there's going to be alcohol and there's, there's going to be drugs, but I, I'm not going to do that. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be the light. No, you're going to be lit before the night's over. It, it's, it's the guy who goes on the business trip and everybody else is going to the strip bar and he would never do that close to home, but now he's a 1,000 miles away and everybody else is going and so he, he feels like, well, you know what? I just think I'll go, but I'm not going to participate. I want to tell you, any time you begin to tell yourself, I'll go, but I won't participate, you are running with fools. You are setting yourself up. You may not participate, but the fallout that comes as a result of what's going to happen at that moment of hanging out with those people is going to bring you into a place that you are never, ever going to recover from. Last one. 
Your conscience ought to awaken you. Your guardrail ought to be at that moment that you hope that the people you care about the most don't find out where you've been or whom you've been with. When all of a sudden the people you're running with you don't want anybody else to, I mean, the people that are the closest to you, you just don't want them to find out. That's a guardrail. That's a warning sign that ought to awaken you to say, you know what? We need to make sure that we are bringing our lives into alignment with what God is calling us to. It's easy to misunderstand what I'm saying. People say, well, pastor, you know, you're saying all this stuff, and what about love, and what about, you know, we're supposed to be a light to the world, and what about all these things? Listen, don't confuse guardrails with a lack of love or a lack of compassion. It's not what I'm saying. Does not mean that you should not have people in your life who are not Christians. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, is that wisdom will never take you into danger. Wisdom will always bring you one step away from the edge and say, I don't need to do this. I don't need to go there. I don't need to participate in what's happening here. One day, these same people that you make this stand for are going to find themselves in a place of destruction. And I want to tell you, if you've just been part of the crowd, if you've just been hanging out with them when they did their stuff, they are not going to come to you for advice or for prayer. But if you've made a stand, if you've said, you know what, there are some things as a believer I'm going to draw a line on, and I'm not going to compromise, and I'm not going to walk away from it. If you'll do that, when they find their lives exploding and not knowing what to do, you're the person that they're going to come to. Now, here's my question as I close. While I was talking to you, while I was giving you these things, did somebody or someone's come to your mind? Was there something that said, you know what? This person, this person, this person, that's who pastor's talking about in my life. You know what? Here's the deal. You can keep hanging with them. I understand they've been your friends. I understand they've been the people you've run with. I, I know that. And I know breaking friendships is hard. But if you keep hanging with them six months, a year down the road, you're going to find yourself experiencing destruction. And at that moment when you stand before the judge and he's going to give the sentence or that moment that you're in a hospital room or that moment that your marriage is busted up, that moment you, you would at that moment pray, God, if you could just take me back one year, I'd make a different decision. So here's the deal. It's one year before that and God's calling you to make a decision today. God's giving you the opportunity today to wake up and realize that there are some people in your life that are going to bring destruction to you and you need to make a stand. You need a guardrail. You need to make a decision. You need to come to that place today that you are intentional about walking with the wise and saying, you know what? I don't want to be one of those people who walks with fools. Because eventually, somewhere, I'm going to suffer harm. I'm going to find myself in a destructive place. 
I didn't mean to get there. It wasn't what I set out to do. And I'm not a fool, and I know this destruction was not my own cause. But here I am, and I'm finding out that life has turned upside down simply because of the people I've spent time with. I want to tell you, today's a day of decision. Today's a day where you say, God, I want to be wise. I want to bring wise people into my life so that I can walk in integrity and uprightness. And I don't want to look back six months, two years, ten years down the road with a boatload of regrets because of the people I've hung with. I want to make the right decision, and I want to begin that decision today.